Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? It's our Montana episode, Amy. Okay. And I'm not celebrating the return of Yellowstone, by the way, just to be clear. Okay. First of all, I don't know what you mean about it being a Montana episode. Second, I know nothing about Yellowstone. Yeah. Except the National Except Park that itself. It came on, I did. Yeah, the National Park. I, Amy, I saw a fascinating thing, though. You know how Lake Mead is way down and Lake Havasu and all that? They're struggling in the Southwest. Right. right. There was a TikTok about a guy looking into the possibility of where they could get more water into like the Green River or the Snake River or the Colorado or something like that. And you know what the perfect spot is? What? Yellowstone River. Oh, okay. And it would not work because it's like smack dab in the middle of Yellowstone National Park. Right. Like the first national park, the national, the premier national park right. is like the answer to Southwest United States water problem. Anyway, all that said, episode 406. Okay. The area code for Montana is? I guess it's 406. The you power, have, this your is, power of deduction is is just this, on This on intro point has completely thrown me off. I don't get anything you're talking about. Um, but I did visit Yellowstone when I was a child. I've never so, been. I want to go. So I have two memories of Yellowstone. One is seeing the geyser. Old faithful. Old faithful. Do you remember that? Two, we stayed in these little cabins that were in a circle around kind of a, a little lawn. And there were these um, little prairie dogs that would come out on the lawn. So everybody went out there to see them. And everyone was feeding them crackers, which is oh, yeah. probably is probably against Don't the, feed the animals. The rules. Oh, the prairie, <laughs> the prairie dogs knew it too, man. They were eating it up. And so it was really fun because they were all, you know, running around. They were really cute. And um, my brother got bit because he, you know, he, t- I guess. Way to go, Jim. Put the, Way to go. Put the, cra- put the cracker out there a little too close. Can't take you anywhere. And I have, and I have a very distinct memory. That's my, my Yellowstone. If you give a prairie dog a cracker. There you go. But your intro today has made no sense to me, but it did bring back that memory. Well, it's, it's, you know, hats off to Barrett Duke today and our friends. 406. Yeah, 406. the 406. All right. Why don't so, we get started? Because this makes no sense. All right. Well, we're going to talk about states today. So it, it kind of makes sense because we're going right. to, we got a few state conventions to go through today. You know, I looked Montana at the list. Not on, being one, by I, the way. I looked at the list on this script and thought, oh my goodness, there's so many. I'm so overwhelmed. And then realized that you're the one who actually is traveling to a lot of them. And I'm yeah. sitting here. Thinking that this is overwhelming to me. Oh, this is so overwhelming. And I'm like, yeah, Jonathan yeah. just got home for the last trip, I think, maybe. I may have one more in December, but I think last trip of the year. And, yeah. Um, Amy, I bought one tank of gas since the 1st of October. That's amazing. But you've almost been, November 20th. It's, but you've been you know, on a lot of planes, been, been on a lot of airplanes. That's because I hadn't been here, hadn't been driving to the office. Hadn't been driving That's anymore. right. That's right. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. All right. Hey, jump into it. Send relief in Puerto Rico celebrating the opening of a new center down there, new relief center. This is really cool. And it's the one you went to. I think I've actually been there. Yes. yes. So these were the grand opening ceremonies. Yeah. It was already open um, when you went back, you know, in October, but man, this, it is a really, really cool space. Um, and there's a picture in this BP story where Bryant Wright is, uh, talking to the audience at the grand opening with Itamar uh, Elizalde. She's a ministry center consultant. She was there translating and uh, she actually did our tour of the, of the space. So it is a really, really great, incredible, um, incredible 
property and place where like teams can come and they stay there. There's some great, uh, you know, very nice sort of it's dorm style so that you can really get a lot of teams in there, but they're great facilities and then some great meeting spaces and, and things like that. So it's a um, fantastic, fantastic center there, but they had the actual ribbon cutting uh, ceremony and everything. So there's a great BP story covering that. It's important because this is five years after Hurricane Maria, which caused, you know, such, such disaster. One of the people that I was talking to there, actually Jonathan Santiago, who runs that ministry center, we had a meeting with him and his father, who's a local pastor. And his father told us that, um, after Hurricane Maria, he was without power for 11 months. What? So yeah. What? 11 months. Yep. Holy smokes. Yeah. So this was in, in 2017. And 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So the need for a strong disaster relief presence is definitely there, you know, and they, they saw that after Hurricane Maria. So this yeah. is an answer wow. to that. It's and great. if you're a construction engineer uh, and specializing in electrical power, please right. contact Center Relief. Right, right. This is a great, night. this is a great thing. And you can through uh, Send Relief tap into uh, trips that are, are happening. Um, there are mission teams, churches, there's a page for mission trips at Send Relief, and you can click on Puerto Rico and find out like yeah. ways and times. There are already some that are on the books ready to go, or you could reach out, you know, and see a, 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 a possibility, you know, for when your your church or team might be yeah. able to head down there. Yeah. So check that out. Sendrelief.org is the website over there. And uh, congrats to our friends over in NAM and IMB for getting that center off the ground. Our friend Josh Benton over at Sin Relief, uh, he's the vice president on the NAM side of things, you know, doing a lot with this. So uh, congrats to our friends at Sin Relief. And again, sinrelief.org, your church can be a part, not just in Puerto Rico, but across the country. There's two centers in Puerto Rico, I think something like 23, maybe, uh, across the country as well. So uh, I've been to a few of them and they're fantastic and do fantastic work in the community. So uh, check that out, sendrelief.org. And uh, Amy, we got a, an update on the Unify Project from Ed Litton and Fred Luter. Yeah. So the Unify Project launched this week, November 15th, widespread national participation already. Um, lots of pastors, church members who have said that they wanted uh, to be a part and this is just a great, uh, it's a it's a great story at BP about it. Talks about Tony Evans' participation, the steering committee. Hey, I recognize the name on there. Yes, yes, Keith Whitfield uh, is on that. There are some great tools that are out there that include all kinds of things, discussions, individual experiences, things like that. There's going to be an event at the 2023 SBC annual meeting in New Orleans. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the steering committee. So it's uh, Marshall Blaylock, Missy Branch, uh, Victor Chiasa-Rizabon, Brett Golson. He's uh, at William Carey University, Vice President for Spiritual Development and Church Relations and Dean of the Cooper School of Missions and Ministry Studies. Um, Charles Grant, so uh, yeah. from the SBC Executive Committee. Marcus Hayes, who's the lead pastor at Crossroads Baptist Church in the Woodlands, Texas. Ramon Medina. Um, we know uh, we know Ramon. He was the yeah, former second, second vice sec president. Yeah, former second vice president. Greg Perkins, who is from uh, yeah. the View Church in Menifee and the uh, a, a regional director at NAF. Keith Whitfield, and then Frank Williams, who's president of NAF. So great group working together on this. Yeah. 
Um, so if you have not signed up, you, you can head over there and you can get in, get involved and uh, participate in some of the web events, things like that. See what you can do in your church. Yes. All right. So that's over at the unifiedproject.org. All right. And people, you know, maybe we wonder, you know, why, why is this important? Why is this a, a needed thing? Well, it's needed on a lot of reasons, but Another story that we had this past week uh, from North Carolina about that convention's first African-American president, that's Quintel Hill, uh, shows the reason for it. Yeah, so this popped up after. I mean, we already talked about this last week, that Quintel Hill is the first African-American president in the history of our state convention. Um, but his wife, Christy, had put a Facebook post out after just really reflecting on what a milestone it truly was, not just for North Carolina Baptists, but for them. And she, uh, she told a story about uh, them applying about uh, Quintel applying for, she says probably a hundred youth pastor positions and said some call, some never called, some called and were surprised to hear Quintel's voice when he picked up the phone. Others invited us for interviews but every time the same thing happened, she said, we weren't hired because he was black and I was white. So their their marriage, their interracial marriage was actually keeping them from, you know, proceeding in the process. And then there was one church that actually was excited and the search team leader invited them to visit for an interview and even stay, um, stay in, in his home, in the home of the search team leader. And so Quintel then told that leader that they were uh, an interracial couple and it all of a sudden went silent for weeks. And then they got a call that said, you're no longer a candidate for this position because of your marriage. Um, this was only 15 years ago. And so uh, Christy Quintel's wife talks about what heartbreak they experienced and that they actually wanted to walk away from the SBC and that Quintel went and spoke to Danny Aiken. They were students at Southeastern at the time went and Danny Aiken just encouraged them to keep your head in the game, uh, keep, keep, keep going. And then the door, the Lord did open the door. They ended up at a church and then another and then another. And then now 15 years later, here he is the first African-American president yeah. of North Carolina Baptist convention. So pretty incredible story. Um, there, uh, there's a little bit more in the in the BP article, but we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And so, uh, gives a lot of perspective. Yeah, absolutely does. So, uh, a good story there, and uh, kind of a heartbreaking story, but at the same time, a story of redemption in the end there. And um, excited for Quintel and his wife Christy. Yeah. And uh, we need to get Quintel on the the podcast. I, I got a few people I've been needed to get together with and get on the podcast. Quintel's one of them. And, uh, we need to have him on here and, uh, hear his story and, and just, uh, you know, how he is serving North Carolina Baptist. So exciting time. Speaking of state Baptist conventions, Amy. All right, let's start this thing. We're here start we go. In Louisiana, where I was this past week in Alexandria at Calvary Baptist church there in Alexandria. And, uh, they reelected president Reggie Bridges, He's the pastor at Temple Baptist Church in Ruston uh, for his second term, and they passed a budget of just over $17.5 million, and their split stays the same with 
36.74% being moved on to National Cooperative Program Ministries. Uh, they had 613 messengers and 34 registered guests, including me and Scott Barkley, uh, who were there. And I uh, had a few pieces of business. One where they defined a cooperation as uh, churches that give to the LBC, not necessarily or not exclusively through the cooperative program. So you can give directly to the LBC and still be an LBC church. So that was one of the big change that they made to their governing documents. Another change uh, was proposed by messengers on the floor about negative designation, which we've heard of some as it relates to a cooperative program giving. And Steve Horn basically got up there and shot that down. And it's like, no, this is not something we should do as Louisiana Baptist. The cooperative program is not something that we get to set the splits on here in the state that is done at the national convention and we need to right. respect that. And he's absolutely right. So uh, that motion failed. And that's what Steve Horn explained is in the same way that the Southern Baptist convention doesn't dictate how much gets sent on to them at the yeah. States. The States make that decision. They decide what they're going to do with their budgets. And then when it goes on to uh, the SBC, then the messengers to the SBC each year determine the breakdown and the and the split yeah. there. So that would be the the kind of the same as if we met in New Orleans next year and tried to amend the bylaws to say a cooperating convention must send X percent on. Right. That that's kind of taking that out of the states. You know. That's right. Hands. The cooperative program is a plan for undesignated giving. I mean, it's actual giving, and then it's determined by the or by the group itself. Here's yeah. how it will be. Yeah. That'd be like, yeah. but it'd be like your boss at work saying, "All right, we're paying you X, but you can only spend X amount of your money on this, and X amount of money on groceries, and X amount of money for vacation, and you can only spend X amount on your kids." Like that doesn't work. It, you know, right. you get the money; it's undesignated at that point. Whenever you get your salary, right. and you and determine you how it's spent. Right, and then the flip side or would be you can't you can't say to your boss you have to give me this m nice. Um, anyway, you can't say to your boss you have to give me this much, which is so it's a it's a flow. The state conventions determine how much they're going to send, but then they don't determine how it will be used once it gets sent. Just yep. like the church at the church level, they determine how much they send. So yep. it's, it's determined right. and where that goes, like the church determines where we spend our budget. The state yes. determines where it spends its budget and the national depend determines where it spends its budget. So there Steve Horn, great um, explanation of that the other day. And that motion failed other things at the Louisiana Baptist convention. There was a few resolutions that they passed. Uh, there was one attempted amendment to the resolution on pro-life. It was ruled out of order because uh, it was really trying to bring in language that would somewhat pushed toward criminalization of the mother in an abortion. We've seen this happen a lot. And we'll talk about that at a couple other places too. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that here. And I think talk about that more at the end. Um, but that failed as well. So we'll get to that. I think we're going to talk about a little recap of that at uh, later in the show. So, okay. But, and uh, as you said, we'll get to that because we're going to talk about a pattern, but mm -hmm. I want to, in this moment, make something very specific here that it was ruled out of yes. order and then the the messengers sought to overturn that ruling, and that and that, over, that vote to overturn failed. Yeah, yes. so it wasn't just ruled out of order, and then it was done. The messengers actually did. Yeah, they uh, backed up the chair. Uphold on that. that, and and it was ruled yeah. out of order because the motion to amend would have added language that was not germane to the actual resolution. 
So it it was trying yeah. to add something. But it was not the resolution the was more of a resolution spirit, of, of thankfulness spirit. and support for the overturn of Roe v. Wade, and then somebody tried to insert yeah. language that was about abolitionist and the you know criminalizing the mother. So two different yeah. things. The right call to to rule it out of order. We saw the same thing actually happen. I think at the annual meeting this past year. That's Louisiana. Over to Texas, and we've got both Texas convention recaps here. We start with the SBTC. All right, so SBTC had their 25th annual meeting, so kind of they're they're getting hey. there. I mean, we got the ones that are like you know, yeah, we're going to talk about one in a minute. That's like 199. So yeah, you know, Alabama is at 199. So. Yeah, but the- you got a little ways to go, SBTC. A little bit to catch up, but 25th annual meeting they met in Corpus Christi and had 1,031 messengers and guests. They approved a $27.8 million budget for 2023. That's a 4.8% increase. Um, They continue to allocate. They keep 45% in state. They send 55% to um, Southern Baptist causes in North America and around the world. Um, They also elected Todd Conitz. Is that how you say it? Uh, Sure. They elected him by acclamation for a second term as president and then uh, Eddie Lopez who is an Espanol pastor for FBC Forney he was elected by acclamation as vice president and then Sharonda Cooper who's a member at Emmaus Church in Georgetown she was elected convention secretary um they uh, had some resolutions on opposition to gambling biblical view of gender also celebrating the overturn of Roe v Wade we'll talk about that a little bit later and then um And then they had a motion that was approved. It clarified Article 4, Section 1 on affiliation qualifications. Um, They clarified that the phrase, the office of pastor shall be limited to men, will be interpreted by the convention to refer not only to the titles of senior pastor or lead pastor, but to any role designated by the noun pastor and that interpretation will be applied beginning January 1st, 2024. Now, the way I'm reading this, Jonathan, they didn't actually amend their constitution. Is that correct? I mean, that's what it says. They just passed something like as a, this is our interpretation of it. Yeah. They basically passed the definition, but then they gave churches 13 months, 14 months to correct any issues, I guess, that they may find in their own churches. So regarding churches that are already affiliated, they're applying that interpretation January 1st, 2024. So that's like 13 months away. Uh, So this was a discussion where they said, here's how we're going to interpret that. That was the SBTC. Take us to the other Texas meeting. Yes. So over at the BGCT, the Texas Baptist met in Waco, Texas. I've been to that meeting before in Waco. More than 1,800 messengers and guests. So big convention there in Waco. I wonder if they all went to the silos, eh? Maybe they did. Maybe they did. I bet some people did. Yep. David Hardage was speaking live from the silo. No, he wasn't. Um, He gave his final executive director's report. Remember, he's retiring uh, this year. So uh, they are looking for a new executive director over there. The officers elected by the BGCT include Julio Warneri, the pastor of Calvary Baptist in McAllen down there in South, South Texas. Uh, He was the elected president. Nabiye Kalile, pastor of Pathway Church in Dallas, was elected first vice president. And Ronnie Marriott. Pastor of First Baptist Church of Burleson was elected second vice president. I've stayed in his hotels a lot this fall. Um, uh, they ran, they all, all of them ran unopposed. I'm kidding. Ronnie is not related to the Marriott family, I don't think. They passed a budget of just under $35.5 million, and they continue at the 79% split for BGCT causes and 21% 
for worldwide causes. So kind of kept things the same this year. And uh, that's pretty much it from the BGCT. So Amy, we go to Alabama, where we just mentioned a minute ago, they're 199th annual 199th annual You know what that means next year is? Oh, it's going to be a big one. 200. 200. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do math. Yes, I can do basic math. Uh, They met at Shades Mountain Baptist Church in Birmingham. They approved a $37 million cooperative program budget for 2023. Uh, That's same as they had last year. And they continue aware that they continue their allocation, which is 50-50 from uh, between in-state and sending on. Um, They also allocated funds for mission dignity. Their sexual abuse task force reported the results of their year-long review of policies and practices of the CP-funded like state convention entities and auxiliaries. Uh, But while they delivered a favorable report for that, Craig Carlisle, who was heading that task force, he was the chair. And EC member. Yeah. Yeah. He said, while our task was to audit the policies of our entities and auxiliaries, ultimately our church leaders will be on the front lines of seeking to prevent sexual abuse in our churches and families. And so uh, was really putting that saying, we're going to have to do this together. This happens primarily in the local church. And so really spurring that on um, that So really spurring that on, that this is where reform begins. Um, They had 685 registered messengers and over 100 registered guests and others. Um, They also elected, they reelected Buddy Champion, who is pastor of First Baptist Church Trustville to serve a second term. Morgan Bailey from Macedonia Baptist Church in Ranburn, he will serve a second term as first vice president. Jarman Leatherwood, uh, founding pastor of House of Hope and Restoration Church in Huntsville, he will serve a second term as second vice president. And um, he became the first African-American to gavel in and lead proceedings when he chaired during the the final session of the annual meeting. So we uh, have had a, a lot of uh, firsts when it comes to that in terms of first president. Well, this is the first time that there was an officer that gaveled in, you know, and chaired the meeting. So yeah, uh, there's more, more information. They also had some resolutions on medical marijuana, uh, on protecting minor children from transgender treatments, things like that in the medical community. So sounds like they had a very busy meeting. Yep. And over to Arizona we go, Amy, where we have another historic election of officers. They elected their first Hispanic president and first black first vice president. So All right. Fernando Amaro was elected president. Sean Buchanan uh, was elected first vice president. And then Paul Smith was elected second vice president. Uh, Amaro is the pastor of Iglesia Bautista Resurrección in Scottsdale. And Buchanan is the pastor of St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church in Sierra Vista. So congratulations to them on that. Arizona also had a report from their sexual abuse task force. Ashley Evans, who's the senior pastor at 22nd Street Baptist in Tucson and was the chair of that team, presented the team's report, which included three observations and two recommendations. The recommendations proposed a Churches That Care initiative with 12 standards for churches. So that, that was the recommendations. But... After more than 50 minutes of discussion, they approved a substitute motion to remove the recommendations from the report and refer them to the executive team. And they took no action at the annual meeting uh, and then just voted to receive the report. So no action, no recommendations passed. 
So they sent those on to the executive committee, but after the meeting, David Johnson, who's the president or who's the executive director there in Arizona, said that those 12 standards proposed were still going to be offered as a resource to rec- as recommended practices for churches to use as they so choose. So even though it didn't pass, they're still going to say, hey, the, these, we recommend these and these are some some good practices that you should consider in your churches. Yeah. So we're we're going to want to see what happens next year since it it says they're now referred to the executive team. That's an interesting move that it was, you know, proposing a churches that care initiative. It was proposing something recommending to churches, hey, look at these and we want to stand behind this and recommend this to your your church. And then for the floor to basically say, we don't want any recommendations. We're not going to recommend anything. That's just an interesting move. And yeah. so basically, you can dig into that, see what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. So basically all those there, the, the executive director said that the 12, that said that the 12 standards proposed by the response team will still be offered as a resource of recommended practices for churches to use. So basically the state convention office still will have those available for churches to opt in, but for some reason, which like I said, you and I weren't there, the messengers who were there said, we don't actually want to get behind this. We don't actually want to put our stamp to recommend this to the churches. So it's, it is available, but it, it certainly doesn't have the weight yeah. that comes from the floor. Yeah. They also voted to change the name to the Arizona Mission Network of Southern Baptist. Uh, it's a DBA doing business as uh, not really changing the constitution or corporate filings. So they basically just said, hey, we can do business as the Arizona Mission Network of Southern Baptist. So, um, All right. And then they passed a budget that is a 60-40 split. 60 stays in the state of Arizona and 40 goes on to national and international causes. Uh, the budget is just over $4.15 million, which is a slight increase from last year. And Amy, no mention whether or not they rode the bicycles from the state headquarters oh, that's to right. Avondale. That's right. Yeah. Maybe so, that's kind of an old thing. Maybe yeah, not well, doing it now. I don't know. Well. I mean, they, they've, they've done it last few years, so we'll see. Yep. So, all right. Well, that's uh, Arizona and uh, another spring training state. We go to Florida. Yes, Florida our, Baptist. Our baseball. We go from the Cactus League to the Grapefruit League here. That's right. So Florida Baptist came together uh, to Olive Baptist Church in Pensacola, and they had, uh, it was their 160th annual meeting. They had 1,225 in attendance. That was 822 messengers and 403 guests. Uh, they adopted a report that had been brought by a special committee that was tasked with examining policies and procedures on uh, sexual abuse reporting or and as well as survivor care and prevention. Um, they had done an independent review of five cooperating ministries with the FBC. They reported that there were no overwhelming flaws in the policies and procedures, uh, but they highlighted seven areas of critical importance moving forward and then asked for those ministries to give updates on uh, uh, on their progress in the next meeting. So uh, they approved a cooperative program goal of $29.5 million to be distributed 51% to SBC causes and 49% to uh, Florida Baptist convention. That's been that, that 51 49 splits been around since 2016. Uh, their budget is a $350,000 increase over what they had last year. They had uh 
four officers that were elected by messengers. Three of them are serving second terms. Paul Purvis, who is pastor of Mission Hill Church in Temple Terrace, he was reelected by acclamation as president. Dwight Woods, senior pastor of Family of God Baptist Church in Panama City, was reelected by acclamation uh, to first vice president. John Bozard, he is a healthcare professional and is uh, from First Baptist Orlando. He was reelected by acclamation to a second term as second vice president. Janie Frost, minister of music and women at West Pensacola. Baptist Church, she was elected by a ballot vote to serve as recording secretary. All right. Congratulations to Janie on that. Up to Iowa, Amy, where I was at Walnut Creek Church in downtown Des Moines. So a really good meeting up in Iowa. Uh, Tim Labinus and his crew out there, great host as usual. Messengers to the Iowa Baptist Convention passed a budget of $1.2 million, which is an increase of 9% over last year's budget. Once again, they are sending 75% on to national and international causes. They're a 25-75 split state, Amy. In the last eight years, Amy, get this, they've increased their CP giving 777%. Wow. It's two times the entire BCI budget of eight years ago. So they they have like really grown in their giving yeah. and everything up there in Iowa. And uh, they elected uh, Tim Trudeau, pastor of Grace Community Church in Boone, as president. First vice president is Todd Stiles, the pastor at First Family Church in Ankeny. Todd's a member of the executive committee. Uh, second vice president, Eric Trout, pastor of Restoration Church in Adel. And then secretary, Jerome Risting of Temple Baptist Church in Mason City. So good to be in Iowa last week for that. So I really enjoyed my time up there before I went over to North Carolina. So uh, good meeting again. Amy, over to Maryland, Delaware. All right. So they met in Ocean City together. It was the first meeting for new executive director, Michael Crawford. They reelected Glenn Swanson, pastor of Bayside Baptist Church in Chesapeake Beach as president. Uh, Jim Testerman from Oak Grove Baptist Church in Bel Air as first vice president. Vernon Lattimore from First Baptist Church of Mount Rainier, Maryland, not Mount Rainier, Washington. Um, as second vice president, I, I believe, uh, Stephanie Greer, who's a member of the Garden Church in Baltimore, Maryland, is recording secretary. And then Michael Phyllis, pastor of Fenwick Island Baptist Church in Delaware, was also record was also elected to an office. It doesn't say uh, which one it was. Maybe that's registration secretary or assistant recording secretary, um, something like that. They also approved a seven point six million dollar budget and voted to allocate thirty seven percent of cooperative program receipts to national SBC missions and ministry. That's actually a decline nine percentage points yeah. down from Moved last year. Moved it down year. from 46 to 37. So, yeah. 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 Um, they approved a constitutional change that uh, relates to abuse in requirements for affiliation. It says in order to affiliate with the BCMD, a local church must seek to protect vulnerable adults and children from sexual abuse in concrete ways, which reflect the spirit and theology of scripture. Disaffiliation will occur when a church is found to be in open and unrepentant beliefs or behaviors that are contradictory to the BFM 2000. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah. I think our big, friend Keith Meyer had a, had a hand in that up there. Yeah. It was part in, of that. Yeah. Good friend of the pod. Right. Up to New England, where they met back in October uh, in Worcester. Um, first time they held it at an at an ethnic church. Held it at Iglesia Casa de Oración in Worcester, Mass. And the sermon was given in Spanish, Amy. So celebrating diversity 
up in New England, had 187 in attendance, including 121 messengers and a large delegation of Brazilian pastors from around New England. They voted unanimously to elect Stephen Woodard and Lierte Suarez as president and vice president, respectively, and approved a $3 million in change budget for 2023, which is just a slight increase over last year's. And they have stayed at 80% in New England and 20% moved on to the National Cooperative Program Giving. So that's New England, Amy. Up to Illinois we go. I wonder if they had the, uh, the, the log cabin. Oh, my goodness. It's been a while since I've thought about that. You think they did? I don't know. I don't see a picture of it, and I don't hear anything about it. So Yeah. Oh, well. Well, they met in Edwardsville, Illinois, at Metro Community Church. It was their 116th. Now this 199th has got me looking at the numbers um, to see yeah. where everybody is. Well, 116 years in Illinois, that's, that's pretty substantial. That's pretty, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. They approved a cooperative program budget for 2023 of six million. That's actually down from 6.2 million last year. It will maintain a 56.5 to 43.5% split um, with 56.5% staying in Illinois and then 43.5 going ahead. They had some of the things that we uh, have seen from several of the other states. They had a sexual abuse report. Um, that producing plans for abuse prevention and giving extra force to their uh, credentials committee, looking at what, how to identify a cooperating church. They said that it will help identify tools needed to take action if a church fails to act on credible claims of abuse. Good. So that yeah. was a, a big theme, like so many. Um, newly elected officers include included uh, President Michael Nave, pastor of Cornerstone Church in Marion. Vice President is Carlton Binkley, pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church in Decatur. Recording Secretary Charlene Moe, she's a member of Chatham Baptist Church in Chatham. And then Assistant Recording Secretary Matt Philbrick, pastor of First Baptist Church of Ramsey. So uh, it sounds like they they had a real missions focus and then kind of gathering some things for children's ministries and, and things like that. But sounds like it was a um, an important time for them. You mentioned Marion, Illinois, Amy, and I've eaten breakfast in Marion, Illinois once. It was on the way to okay. the St. Louis Convention back in, uh, what was that, 2016? Okay. What what did you eat for breakfast? Well, I had a pancake and something else. I don't remember what I had. But, um, but uh, the reason I remember, it was at the Vault Cafe on the Square – and it's a former bank building converted into a cafe, a restaurant. And like you can eat in the vault of the old bank. That's really fun. Yeah. I got a better one for you. Okay. There's a bank in Pulaski, Tennessee. Okay. That I don't know if they still do this or not. They used to do this when I was younger, when I was in high school, that the bank would also host in the back, you would actually go into the bank and go through, um, they had a dinner theater. Oh, that's different. It it really is. It was uh, the Giles County Dinner Theater or something. I need to look and see what it, what it was. But I went and saw a couple of shows there when I was in high school. Um, my dad had some, you know, connections down there. The Giles Heritage Theater, I believe, and it was uh, it it was a uh, the first national bank introducing dinner theater to Pulaski and Giles County in 1985 was when they first first did it, and uh, a, a I made a connection with a 
a coworker of mine and good friend of the pod, um, Danny Franks, who is uh, very well known in circles for guest services on staff at the Summit Church. He made his theater debut at the Giles Heritage Theater in the back of the bank. So, uh, you know, kind of some things you can do. You know, there's a cookbook from the First National Bank in Pulaski, Tennessee, called the yes, Heritage I've Theater had, Curtain yeah, Call I've Cuisine. Had, I, I have had that cookbook. Right. Well, we, we've really gotten off. This is not yeah. part of the uh, state convention uh, the stuff. The lady's name. The lady's name was Monty Claire. She uh, she made all the meals, and she she made the meals. She was in the shows, and I believe she worked at the bank. Yep. And yeah, but that's a that's See, a fun little. You know, that's the kind of information you get while we go through these state convention recaps, folks. That's right. It's, it's, it's not, not a, just it's, recap after recap. Right. It's not even in Illinois that I'm. Yeah. 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 Anywho, back to the uh, the recap. Last one. Last one. Wyoming uh, messengers to the 39th annual meeting of the Wyoming Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, they they met this uh, past week up in Riverton, Wyoming. 94 messengers from 38 of Wyoming's 96 churches and about 30 guests met in Riverton and passed a slightly reduced budget for next year. That's at $986,090, which includes about $415,000 in CP giving from churches. The total is just barely below uh, last year's total, which was just a hair over uh, $1 million, and they will send 10% to the executive committee for distribution to national and international cooperative program ministries is the third year in a row. They've been at that 10 90 split. They also reelected their officers. Dean Whitaker, once again, is the pastor. Uh, Dean Whitaker, once again, is the president. He's the pastor of the host church, actually United Baptist in Riverton, Wyoming Ed Tharp, pastor of Boyd Avenue and Casper was elected first vice president. Dave Brown, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist in rock Springs was elected second vice president. And Sherry Mickelson was elected to recording secretary and Don Kinney was elected assistant recording secretary. I remember Sherry and Dawn every year we've we've done I think they've served in those recording secretary and assistant recording secretaries for as long as we've been doing this podcast, Amy. Long time. Yeah. So uh, they've been there for a while there in Wyoming. And that is gonna do it for our state recaps this week and brings us to a really cool story uh, to kind of finish things off here. At Southwestern they recognized a student, Mang Singh, uh, who got a framed still from the Jesus film. You know, the film that's been going forever. I mean, 1979. Longer than I've been alive, this film has been around and has seen around 600 million decisions for Christ around the world. They just translated it into its 2000th language, Amy. Wow. The Zoe language. That's pretty crazy. And a Southern Baptist seminary student helped do it. Meng Singh translated it. That is really cool. That is really, really cool. How cool cool. is that? It's the world's most translated film, according to Guinness Book of World Records. That's amazing. That's the only place you'll see Guinness and Southern Baptist together. No. All right. So Zoe is one of more than 50 different dialects of the Chin people group, and it's the last of the Chin languages that received a a Bible translation or biblical translation. Um, The New Testament translation of it was completed about 10 years ago, and then the whole Bible in 2018. But... What Singh said, uh, what Meng Singh said is that aside from the Bible and a few hymns, there are very, there's very little Christian content or resources, which that actually convicts me to hear, to think about how much. How little. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, like we get to anything that we want to read, we can read it. 
and they have almost nothing. It says many yeah. tribes do not even have access to the internet. And so they think this is going to be a great blessing for the community. And he also said that they don't really have any movie or film in the Zoe language. And so this will be a big milestone and probably will attract a lot of people to want to watch it. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so very, very neat. Zoe does not come up whenever I try to change my um, language settings on like Hulu or Apple TV yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Not not one of those. So very cool. So thank you, Meng Singh. How about that? That's really neat. Yeah. Amy, you know, you, there's a certain list coming up at the end of the year. And uh, I'm going to throw- fascinating Southern Baptist. I'm going to throw Meng out there. Just just throwing that out there. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. All right. Well, hey, that's going to do it for our news this week. A lot of state recaps this week. Wow. And uh, bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. We're going to go to something that I certainly remember. I don't know if you remember this. Um, Vaguely. But I would say our listeners, a lot of our listeners do. Uh, 2005, November um, 15th was the day that Adrian Rogers died. Yeah. Yeah. This week. <laughs> This week. So he was 74 years old, had uh, been fighting a battle with cancer and then uh, got double pneumonia. Mm. And so it was, I think from, from reading and just remembering he was not doing well, but yet at the same time, this moved quickly. Like they, he went into the hospital. I think he had just preached a few weeks before at, at an event and then went into the hospital. And then about a week later he died and I remember this because we were in Waverly at the time when it happened. One of our church members got so emotional and he was a fairly new believer. He was an older gentleman. He's uh, he's since gone on to be with the Lord as well, but he's an older gentleman, but was a fairly new believer. And I think very instrumental in his early life, you know, early days as a Christian were the love worth finding sermons. And so, uh, so I remember when wow. Adrian Rogers died that Mr. Mack was so, uh, distraught. I can remember him crying hmm. when we talked about it. And so, uh, he had that impact on uh, not just the, you know, super active Southern Baptist folks in the denomination who, um, would be around him, but also just on all of the people who would listen to him all over the country. Uh, Danny Aiken often says, you could be very experienced, have a PhD, all this, but you'd sit next to him. He said, you would feel like you're sitting um, in the corner with your lunchbox on your knees and you're like a little kid because you're like, whatever, whatever you want to do, sir, you know, because um, he just had people had that kind of respect for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that, that funeral held at Bellevue. That's about the closest you get to a Southern Baptist state funeral, so to speak. You know, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, um, Billy Graham. We had that one a few years ago. That was probably the last one since since then. We haven't had right. any, any other big, you know, big ones yeah. like that. I mean, and and here's the thing: categorically, while Billy Graham was a Southern Baptist, it was just his reach was so much yes bigger. There yes. was just a, a bit. So it's a just feels like a different kind of different category, but for Adrian Rogers, it was, um, I mean, he has spent his energies on, uh, the, on the convention, you know, on the, on Bellevue and on, mm -hmm. on our cooperative work. Yeah. So, so. kind of sad. Um, but it happened this week in SBC history, 17 yeah. years 
Yeah, 17. He'd be 91 now, so not sure how active he would still be in the convention, but I'm just going to posit a theory, Amy. Okay. The convention would be vastly different if he was still around. Yeah. In many ways. Too many to name. Too many to explain. But I think think our listeners would agree with that. I think his presence would make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is Love Worth Finding. There's a new advent. There's a new oh. advent book that I am really excited about. You just really did an advent about. thing a couple weeks ago. How many advents are you going to do? Well, I did advent blocks, which are more kind of family. Like it's a family thing. Hey, you got to get those too if you're going to do that because that starts right. like in a week. That's right. This is a book and I always love to get new advent books. And it's uh, B&H is putting it out. It's by Hannah Anderson. So she is uh, lives up in Virginia and is a writer, really very respected. Honestly, she's known for her tweet threads. She does these incredibly oh, thoughtful. Her. I, was yeah. like, I know this name. What do I know this name? Um, sometimes a light is her yes. is her Twitter handle. Yeah, she's a very, very gifted thinker. And uh, so she's got, it's uh, Heaven and Nature Sing, 25 Advent Reflections to Bring Joy to the World. And then her husband, uh, Nathan Anderson, did uh, illustrations to go with it. So from what I can see online, it's really a beautiful little book. And it should be coming to my house before, it's supposed to get there before December 1st. So we'll see if it makes it. But um, yeah, so I haven't gotten it yet but everything i can see from the preview very good call for bnh to do this i'm excited about it awesome let's check that out all right really cool all right my resource of the week is the world cup of course it is and you'd be like well jonathan that's a really odd thing to be as your resource of the week there is no greater evangelistic opener with people from around the world than soccer that's All why right. it's my research. I like of the week. that. I like that. I wear soccer jerseys and my son will wear soccer jerseys. And we start up conversations with people because of what we're wearing, just because we have a soccer jersey on. And it, soccer is a universal language. So the World Cup starts this week. I guarantee you that if you have someone from a, a different culture or whatever, and you start talking about the World Cup, they're watching it. It's the most watched thing. We all, you know, with our American blinders on, we think Super Bowl. The World Cup is like four to six weeks worth of the entire world paying attention to this thing. And That's it is pretty huge. cool. So the World Cup starts Sunday, Qatar versus Ecuador, I believe. The U.S. plays in like three days. I think they play Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember. Um, I've got it on my calendar. It's somewhere. But yes, the World Cup starts this week in Qatar. It's going to be a kind of a mess as far as uh, being hosted in Qatar, but Check it out. Watch the World Cup. Talk to your friends and root on the U.S. men's national team as they uh, take on the world. All right. Okay. I mentioned this earlier in the show. We we didn't cover it during the news. We were going to get to kind of the opinion at the end down here or the kind of the commentary. I guess not really opinion, right, Amy? Uh, yeah. Just some commentary on some things and, and just uh, some insights that we've gleaned over watching some of these state conventions as it relates to some of the resolutions and some of the motions that are being passed. So, Amy, uh, kind of walk us through what we've seen. And this this really, you know, I mentioned it around the abortion resolution that was attempted to be amended in Louisiana and having to do with the the abolitionist language that was tried to add in there. So, Yeah, so I, we actually saw a few patterns. And one yeah. of the things we like to do with these state conventions is to see what are we seeing. One, obviously, holdover from last year, all these um, sex abuse yeah. And we're going to have a big recap of that 
topic yeah. specifically yeah. at Baptist Press in the coming weeks, like right all, after Thanksgiving. All of those we saw reports in almost every state convention. So when that comes, we will have that for everyone. Um, also, you know, you have some standard conversations that pop up or resolutions, particularly connected with topics of the day. But as you said, the, the one that showed up in a lot of places was uh, that several states were doing resolutions about the Dobbs case and uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But one thing that we saw, which is very similar to what we saw at the SBC annual meeting, um, was that there, there is a discussion that is happening in convention spaces, specifically connected with uh, the movement that is, it calls itself the abolitionist movement. Um, and it really is a group of, of uh, folks that, that they do not agree with the incremental approach that Southern Baptists have taken for decades on on this and, and um so it's particularly in the you know after the overturning of roe v wade they are entering the conversation i mean it's different now because there's been this how are we going to get roe v wade overturned well we're at that stage now things are at the state level and so looking at uh various states and how uh how abortions are made illegal but one major issue has been this this uh the concept of equal protection that is coming into either laws or resolutions proposed laws in states or in resolutions and what it really comes down to is if abortion is illegal then uh who is who is criminalized for it yeah well, and, I think also a discussion needs to be had is what does it mean for abortion to be illegal? Because a lot of times I think we, we when we say that, we're talking surgical abortion. Right. And the the point the messenger in Louisiana was making was that are you 486 and the, the pill, the plan right. B, those and kind of things. what does that look like? Still yeah. available. Yeah. So when we, we say abortion, we have to define the terms a lot of times. That That's right. So we, we're having new discussions surrounding this. So particularly the question about criminalization, that's, that is a hot button issue. That's a thing that a lot of people are discussing because the approach had been pre-Roe v. Wade being overturned. And you can see this in things that uh, were put out by the ERLC that several letter, I mean, that several leaders, uh, Richard Land has written about this several times, that the the thought always was to say that the providers are uh, the ones who would be breaking, you know, considering to be breaking the law. Now the question comes in about um, the mother's and where they fit into all of that. So we've been having that debate sort of at the national level a couple of years with some um, with resolutions that have come in or the time or the desire to amend resolutions. Well, it's happening at the state level, too. And what was interesting this week is that best I could see it came. It was in four states, uh, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Louisiana and Texas. And it kind of split down the middle. Now, I haven't seen the language of all of these uh, one, so I don't know how strong the language was, but in Kentucky, the amendment did pass 
In Oklahoma, the amendment passed. In Texas at the SBTC, the amendment to put that in there, the equal protection language, uh, did not pass. And in Louisiana, where you were, it did not pass what we talked about. That was the one that was ruled out of order because it didn't match the spirit of the resolution. They tried to overturn that ruling. The messengers upheld it. Um, So I think this is something to watch because this particular conversation is happening everywhere. It's happening in churches. It's happening uh, at the state convention level. It's happening at the national level. And I think it's also important to recognize we, we need to engage this. We need to be asking, what are we talking about when we talk about the issue of equal protection? And to recognize that we are talking about a positional change from where Southern Baptists have been in decades and decades um, of resolutions and and other things, so if if we if we do this, we've got to we got to understand what we're talking about. Um, but I found it interesting that two states kind of let that amendment come in. Um, two mm-hmm. states did not. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and they're always different. The the discussion around them are different. The resolutions they're amending are different. So. Right, you know, right. So you don't know. I yeah. mean, you're the one in Louisiana, as you said, didn't fit with where where it was. I I heard. I think the Kentucky one, the language is maybe a little. I don't, I don't know how strong that was, but I do know that it was it was passed in there. So it's just something that uh, that we need to we need to watch because when we're talking about substantive development of our um, positions, we need to know where we stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the definitions are, are important part of that. So, all right. Well, that's a good discussion. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll tackle a little bit more whenever it comes to the, the recap of the, the sex abuse motions and reports that we've seen at the state convention level. Uh, I think Baptist Press, we got a story. We're working on that. And we should have that right after Thanksgiving. So now that all the state conventions are done. So they are finished, Amy. We're not finished with them, but they are finished with us, if that makes any sense. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, hey, this is a long one. Thanks for hanging in there, folks. Go U.S. men's national team and happy Thanksgiving. See you next week. See you next week. 